Hi, everyone. It's Robert Poole. Welcome back to the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about growing your team efficiently by avoiding hiring mistakes and bringing on solid hires. Let's get started. You have a small B2B business. Are you frustrated with the lack of resources to grow in B2B? So where do we go to learn how to grow our B2B small business? Should we focus on traditional offline methods, online techniques, or both? How do we bring in more clients and revenue and yet keep our sanity? I'm Robert Poole. Join me as I share two decades of B2B growth experience, learn new techniques, and combine both offline and online growth strategies to grow my own business. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. Welcome to the tribe and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day today. In the last episode, we talked about the importance of focusing on your clients and their needs instead of focusing on your product or service. Today, I want to talk to you about an issue that I think all entrepreneurs have difficulty with at one time or another in their business life, and that's how to hire good people to grow your company and avoid making costly hiring mistakes. You know, like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, we started our business on a shoestring and had no formal training on how to start a business, how to hire people, and so on. You know, we both had backgrounds in sales, but not a lot on the entrepreneurial side. We each had a couple prior businesses, but those were more of a solopreneur type of companies where we didn't face the challenge of scaling through adding employees. You know, uh, this was, you know, over 20 years ago, but I remember reading a few books about hiring employees, but much of the hiring process over the years really ended up being trial and error. And unfortunately, uh, often it was rushed just to get it done. You know, I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs have this vision of their product or service that they're selling and get annoyed with the details and things like hiring. You know, but um, I know when we first started out and even probably for the first decade, we would hire, you know, the first uh, barely qualified person, you know, at least on paper that came to the door. As you can imagine, this wasn't the best idea, but this is one of those tasks that I really didn't enjoy as I always kind of felt like it was a nuisance taking us away from focusing on sales and fulfillment, but it was a, you know, a necessary part of the business. Anyway, a year or so into our business, when we got our first office, uh, we decided to hire an admin type of person to answer the phones, email, and be a gatekeeper, so to speak. Um, and instead of going out and finding the most qualified candidate, we hired my business partner's sister-in-law. You know, I knew it was generally a bad idea to hire family and friends because eventually things tend to go wrong and unless you get really lucky. But at the time, like I said, we just wanted a body in there without spending too much time on hiring. Needless to say, like most things in life, uh, if you put little effort into it, something, you get little in return. I mean, she was a very nice lady, but just not up to the task of the things we needed, like basic computer work and being able to follow procedures and and to think uh, for herself uh, on a lot of things. You know, unfortunately, this minimal effort on the hiring side of things caused us to make a lot of hiring mistakes over the years that were very costly until we learned how to do it right. As I look back over two decades of hiring people, this sort of laissez-faire attitude of uh, hiring really cost us dearly financially as well as uh, other areas I'll talk about in a second. You know, the reason I'm telling you this is because I think your attitude and commitment to hiring is uh, the start of doing it right. It wasn't until almost a decade of hiring that I started putting more time and energy into the recruiting process. You know, If you're in the position of just starting out in your business and don't have any employees, I would definitely plan on dedicating substantial time to this area of your business as your employees are your business. I can't overemphasize how important it is to get good at hiring. It's taken me over a decade to figure this out, but it's a skill that you have to master as an entrepreneur. 
you know, while hiring for any company is critical to the operation in B2B, as we've talked about before, you're generally dealing with a more sophisticated customer than your average consumer. It becomes even more critical that you find people that are going to represent you as well as you can't afford to lose those deals or those big accounts because you hired a knucklehead who comes across as uneducated. If you have employees and been in business uh, for any period of time, I would encourage you to sit down and think about the last person you hired. You know, in financial terms, there's a cost of advertising for candidates, the cost of your time or your staff and sorting through resumes, spending time corresponding with the candidates via email or over the phone, the cost of the new hire's salary and the benefits until they start contributing more to the company than they are costing the company, the increased uh, rate of unemployment tax you have to pay for the state and, and so on. And that's just financial terms. But besides the financial cost of a bad hire, it's an enormous time and emotional uh, drag on you and anyone involved in the process. In addition, a bad hire can quickly pollute the morale of other team members and bring down the performance of the whole company, like I talked about in previous podcasts. Uh, you know, also, you've got to take into account what kind of tone you're uh, setting with your employees. Even if they see you hired a knucklehead and you fired them, in the back of everybody's mind, uh, it, you know, really is the thought that, well, if the boss fired that person, maybe I'm next, you know. Even if they had no reason to believe that, uh, it can really eat away at people and make them start thinking maybe they should start looking for another other job just in case they get fired too. I've actually spent time after I fire somebody letting, explaining it to the group as to why um, they were let go and to assure them that none of their jobs were in jeopardy and that type of thing because it just, it's human nature. It goes through your mind. Hopefully, I've gotten you to think more about the true cost of hiring the wrong person. I know it's been an extremely high cost to our company over the years for all these reasons. So how do you avoid uh, a bad hire? As you know, there are books galore on the subject, and I'll talk about one in particular in a minute, but I wanted to share with you some of the things that we've done that have helped us. You know, if you're hiring an admin person, a salesperson, an operations person, there are certain basic qualities that they need to have in most B2B businesses. The number one qualification is their speaking and writing skills, in my mind. If you do a pre-interview over the phone and they come across as anything but totally professional and educated, just move on right there. The reason this is so important, again, is do the type of customer you're most likely to have in your business. I know when we talk to an employee of a company, I can tell that they're uneducated and don't know what they're talking about. It gives me a lot of doubt, and I question whether I should even do business with that company. And I think this is the case for most of our customers. One of the ways besides the obvious first impression over the phone that we started screening out candidates is with basic grammar, typing, and computer skills, typically Excel for us. We do this testing for the reason I just mentioned. If that employee will come in contact with a customer or client at any time in the future, you want to make sure that they can not only speak correctly, but they can write a coherent email and have basic computer skills. You know, the typing test is there not because we're hiring all admin people, but we found that the speed of typing indicates how computer literate somebody is and how fast they will be overall. If they have to sit there and hunt and peck, they're most likely going to be very slow using the computer in general. You know, in today's modern business world, if you aren't competent and quick on a computer, you're going to have problems. It's rare that an employee won't have at least some computer action, so it's a, a big red flag if they can't type, spell, or possess uh, basic grammar skills. You know, the reason we started testing is that we used to assume that someone who's an admin person or had worked in business for any period of time had those basic skills, but I can't tell you the number of people in the early years of our company that we hired only to find out that they could barely spell their own name. You know, our education system has got a lot of problems, and it spits out people who can't pass a basic grammar test, unfortunately. You know, we once had a guy come in for, um, uh, I think it was a sales manager position or 
No, actually, it was a, it was a customer service position. And he had a great resume. He actually had an MBA from a, you know, I don't remember. It was a decent college. You know, you'd know the name. And um, I thought, wow, he's perfect. And we gave him the grammar test like we give it to everybody else. And he bombed. He got like 40% on it. And this is somebody who's had higher education, has an MBA that you would assume can, uh, you know, spell and have decent grammar. But boy, am I glad we found that out when we did, you know, and that's just uh, an example of why testing is so important. And, uh, you know, besides a grammar and typing test, I'd, I'd encourage you to find any other relevant tests that might help you out, screen people out for your business. For us, it's an Excel test uh, for anyone administrative, or it might be a sales personality disk assessment, uh, you know, and so on. It was only after many bad hires that we started doing this testing, but it's really weeded out a lot of potential hires that could have been big mistakes. You know, also, don't be afraid to give everyone the basic test, even if they're applying for an executive position. You know, as I mentioned, you know, with the guy with the MBA, I've had people over the years that felt insulted that I would ask them to take a grammar test. But, you know, hey, good riddance to them. If they're so arrogant uh, or don't understand that they have to prove their worth to the company because we don't know them from Adam, then we don't want them anyway. Anyone who's confident in their abilities will not shy away from a test, but actually relish it, hoping to max it out. These are the A-type players who like challenges and like to be scored. So that's who you're looking for. In one of the previous episodes of this podcast, I talked about the importance of a coach or consultant to help with an outside perspective of your business. Uh, I had a particular business coach who I worked with for over 18 months who was fantastic. And she put me onto a hiring book uh, called Who, W-H-O, by Jeff Smart. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot the other author's name. I don't have it in front of me. But, uh, you know, this book changed the way I was hiring new staff and the methodology that they lay out there really works. So I'd encourage you to check it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, you know, the methodology in that book that we started using has saved us several times from hiring someone who was, you know, in the past we would have hired and in retrospect, it would have been a very bad hire. The bad hires we have avoided based on this system more than paid for the coach who gave me the tip. You know, it's the little things like that that can make a big difference. Anyway, as another example, I never really bothered with references from potential candidates. Maybe some entrepreneurs actually call references provided by a candidate, but we never did. I just figured uh, that like most resumes are full of fluff. The references provided were most likely just friends and people who like them and would give them a good reference regardless of their skill level for the job they're applying for. In the uh, Who book, as part of the methodology that I tried to stick to pretty closely, after I read it, um, one of it is to make sure you call all the references from any candidate. And if they can't provide references, you know, good ones, then pass on that person. So after reading this on my next hire, I made sure to call the references. Um, there was one in particular I remember. She gave the candidate very high marks for skill and said they're great at their job. And, you know, there wasn't anything that she could say bad about them, et cetera. And so I thought, okay, great. And then the last question I asked her, I said, how do you rate them on a one to 10 in their job performance? And then she told me seven out of 10. And, you know, this course surprised me because she just told me how great they were. So I asked her why she gave them a seven instead of a 10. And she told me that she felt that the candidate did their job really well, but was in it for themselves and didn't care much about the company. At the time, I thought, well, their compensation is based largely on performance. So their own greed should actually be a good thing. I chose to ignore what she said or at least interpret it differently than I should have. That turned out to be a mistake as I ended up hiring that person only to have to let them go less than a year later for exactly what she told me. They didn't care about the company, and that actually did affect the company as a whole. You know, there are a couple of other tips uh, that we have learned that may help you. First, we make sure the candidate jumps through several hoops. 
like an initial screening call, in-office testing, coming back for a first interview, doing a second interview, and finally having them set up calls with their references so we don't have to track them down ourselves. You know, if at any point the candidate feels like it's too much work to apply with us, then that tells me that they don't really want the job and aren't that excited about it. So it's good to weed them out at that point. You know, another thing we do is have a senior employee, if you have one of them, um, do the first interview. And then on the second interview, have that same senior employee be part of the interview as well. This kind of group multi-stage interview gives you the opportunity to ask questions in a different way than just one, one person might think of. As I mentioned earlier, always find ways to test candidates with some kind of testing related to the skills of the job. You don't have to do it like we do, even though I think it's important for most businesses, but find out what kind of testing you can do. So as far as takeaways from this episode, number one, I'd say understand how costly it is if you make a mistake in hiring and make a commitment to getting good at hiring as a skill. Two, make sure your candidates you bring in are going to represent you well and in a professional manner. This is crucial in B2B and uh, can be done with simple testing. The last thing I would say is to be patient. I know I always have a tendency to want to jump on the first candidate who seems decent so I can fill the job and move on. But, you know, don't do that. Be patient. It's much better if it takes you three months to find somebody than settling for a bad hire three weeks into the process just because you want to be done with it and move on. I hope some of these ideas can help you avoid some of the mistakes we've made over the years. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and give me your honest feedback and what future subjects would help you out the most. Now, I've also put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years uh, in a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. That's growyourb2bcompany.com.